Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 38. Uh, It's on the screen, but also please obviously feel free to follow along on your personal device as well. This is the word of God. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word, my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, (coughs) and you do what you have heard from your father. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, we're only actually going to go up to verse 30, so um, you, got some, you got some extra scripture in there, uh, which is always good. Uh, we're going to look at the Gospel of John. We're continuing to look at the Gospel of John, and uh, just so you're, you're aware, we're not going through every passage in the Gospel. Uh, there's just kind of like a limitation of time, so uh, we're trying to get through most of it and the most relevant portions of it. Um, but you'll notice we'll, we're skipping around a little bit in terms of the passage that we look at. Um, we are going through the Gospel of John, and 
in the Gospel of John, it's like a very artistic book, I think, a very artistic gospel in the, in the way that it's written literarily. And uh, as I've mentioned, there are seven I am statements. And these are statements where Jesus says things like, I am something, right? So I am the bread of life, or in this passage, I am the light, or I am the good shepherd, and so forth. There's seven of those. And while Jesus is disclosing something about himself in these statements, he's saying this is like who I am. He's revealing who he is uh, to us. Um, we also said last, uh, a couple weeks ago, that the way that these phrases are expressed in the Greek also show us that what Jesus is also saying, or what John is conveying uh, through Jesus' words here, is that Jesus is also identified with the God of Moses, specifically from Exodus chapter 3. Because when Moses asked God, like, what is your name? Who should I say sent me? God's response is, I am who I am. And so here, John, is, in a very subtle way, is not only telling us how Jesus identifies himself, but he's also simultaneously telling us that uh, Jesus is God himself in these I am statements. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the second I am statement. I am the light of the world. So let's pray together. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, your word. And, um, you know, we thank you for this uh, nice weather that you give us today. And it's, it's such a contrast in light of the dreariness of yesterday and the darkness of yesterday. And perhaps in a way you're helping us to experience uh, this passage by experience the light of this day in contrast to the darkness of yesterday. Uh, we pray, God, that you would take that a little further and help us to see uh, Christ in this light, in this um, uh, sunshine uh, as we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> I was at work this week, and uh, I don't know, stories and illustrations, especially like when uh, I don't know, I've been preaching for like a long time now, they just get, they get harder and harder to come up with, right? <laughs> so I think the older you get, uh, either you end up like repeating stories um, or I, don't, I guess in my case, it's just hard to think of like stories and illustrations to make it, you know, the point more interesting. God gave me a story this week. So I was uh, in the bathroom this week at work <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I finished going to the bathroom and I, w- I went to the sink and I start like washing my hands and all of a sudden... The lights turn out, right? And it's like one of those bathrooms where there's like motion detector and like if there's movement, the lights turn on. So I was just like, oh, maybe the motion, the sensor um, like needs to detect motion. So I'm like, it's pitch, it's pitch black. So I'm like, <laughs> right, like this, the turn on the light, uh, the light wouldn't turn on. I'm like, oh, that, that's strange. And it was like so dark. I, like if I went like this, I literally could not see my hand in front of my face. My hands were soaking wet. I kind of knew where, like, the uh, paper towels were, like, over there, but I couldn't see, so, like, my hands are dripping. I wanted to get my phone to get my flashlight, but my hands are dripping, so I didn't reach into my pocket to get my phone. So I just kind of go like this, and I'm, like, (laughs) trying to find the door, and I find the door, and uh, I go out of the bathroom, and I realize the power went out in the building. That's why there is no more light. Light is one of those things that are so important for life, and... You don't really realize how important it is until you find yourself unexpectedly in complete darkness, right? Uh, For urban dwellers, uh, I think it's probably kind of rare to experience that kind of complete darkness because anywhere you go, outside, buildings always have lights on, there's street lights everywhere, there's always cars driving around and they have their headlights on. But I imagine that most people in the world throughout history have had more experiences of darkness than maybe many of us have had. And therefore, most people in the world know that darkness is like the default mode. 
Light is something that has to be generated in order to build limits or boundaries to the darkness. Otherwise, darkness ends up ruling everything and dominating everything. In this story, Jesus here, and we get this from chapter 7, but Jesus is talking here at a feast called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, this was a feast that would usually last about a week. And during this feast, what the uh, Jewish people would do is they would recall how God had provided for the Israelites during their wilderness journey. And the way that they would celebrate this feast is, or one of the things that they would do is uh, they would light these four large lamps in the temple courts and they would have their feast or their celebration uh, under the, the light of these lamps. And I think part of the purpose of the light wasn't just so you could see what you're eating, uh, but it had symbolic meaning as well. If you read the story in Exodus chapter 13, what you find there is God, he is leading the Israelites through the wilderness. Uh, during the daytime, there's a pillar of cloud, uh, which I guess kind of um, subdues uh, the brightness of the sun. But then at night, God is leading them by a pillar of fire. And in that story, it actually explicitly says that the pillar of fire gave them light during the night so that they could travel by night. God provided the light so that they could see. Now, I imagine they are all celebrating the Feast of Booths. Maybe they are recalling the story where God is this pillar of fire leading them by this pillar of fire. And Jesus looks at this like a uh, lit candle and he says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And against that backdrop of the Exodus story, uh, can you see how radical it is what Jesus is saying in that statement? He's not saying like, I'm a religious teacher who is here to teach you all about God. He is not saying like, oh, the light that I bring is the knowledge that I learned from the law or these stories in the Hebrew Bible. But what he is actually saying here is that light I am that light. I am the light of the world. I am God. I am the glory cloud that the Israelites followed. I am the pillar of fire that would light the way in the dark. And just like the Israelites followed this glory cloud or this pillar of fire, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but now will have the light of life. Uh, last week, Pastor Fred preached, uh, and uh, I appreciated his, his sermon. And one of the things he mentioned is like, you know, he looked up online uh, about all the books that were written about Jesus, and, like, there's all these uh, titles uh, written by academics about Jesus, and you find, like, they're written through uh, a certain kind of lens, and a lot of it is, like, modern academic topics and uh, looking at Jesus through that lens. Uh, if you don't see Jesus through the right lens, then your, your uh, understanding of Jesus then becomes distorted. Uh, I look at it kind of like as glasses. If you have like these blue tinted glasses, then the entire world looks blue to you, even though the world isn't blue. And what the Pharisees are doing here is they're looking at Jesus, again, through a particular lens, but it isn't the right lens, and therefore they misunderstand Jesus here. You look at the second half of the passage, Jesus says to them, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. And what is their response? Their response is this what? Will he kill himself? Right? That, that's their response. And you see how they misunderstand Jesus. They have no idea who Jesus is or what he's talking about. And their only conclusion is, is Jesus talking about killing himself? He's, he's talking weird here. And Jesus basically says this, you are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 
And then they finally get to the key question that everybody ought to be asking, and they ask this question. They say, who are you? Right? Who are you? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus like a magician, able to do all these like tricks and miracles? Is Jesus uh, the ultimate crowd pleaser, drawing crowds? Is Jesus uh, this great teacher or philosopher, teaching uh, wonderful things? Is Jesus a great prophet? Or is Jesus just the mere son of a carpenter? Maybe from uh, modern Christians, as Fred alluded to last week, maybe modern Christians are asking, is Jesus uh, the Republican or the Democrat? Or is Jesus the conservative or uh, the progressive? Uh, a lot of, maybe uh, the way a lot of uh, kids and maybe now uh, adults grow up thinking, is Jesus kind of like this genie who is supposed to grant our wishes and we just kind of pray to Jesus and ask him for what we want and he gives it to us, Right? Who is Jesus here? But what if we were ultimately not meant to look at Jesus through a lens, but he is actually the lens through which we are supposed to look at everything else? Uh, That actually comes from C.S. Lewis, and he has this famous quote where he says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And perhaps that gets to the heart of what Jesus is saying here as he discloses who he is. He is the light of the world. He illuminates um, not just life, but also truth to us. And therefore, his testimony is true. And what does his testimony tell us about spiritual reality? Well, there's at least two things we see here. The first thing is this. Uh, There is blindness, and we are, by default, spiritually blind. Uh, interestingly, uh, I think we're going to skip this chapter, but in the next chapter, there is a story of a man who was born blind. Um, and the disciples are asking Jesus, uh, this person is blind, this man is blind, so who sinned? Was it uh, the parents of this man, or did the man sin? And Jesus' response is basically this, neither of them sinned, but he was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he says this, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So you see that connection with that story of the blind man and what Jesus is saying here. The condition of the blind man is connected to Jesus' identification as the light of the world. Uh, You know, some people are uh, born blind. Some people experience blindness. Uh, Someone who is blind, uh, they are living in perpetual darkness all the time. They can't see images. They can't see colors. They can't see anything of that nature. And it's like what, uh, you know, I felt when I was in the bathroom and the power went out, right? Jesus is taking that physical ailment, and now he is basically applying it spiritually as kind of an illustration, not only in terms of the spiritual reality of uh, who we are, but also the spiritual reality of what Jesus ultimately does. There is a spiritual reality that we are unable to see uh, when we walk in darkness. And Jesus calls out the Pharisees here because... He tells them, you guys, you are judging according to the flesh. And no matter how much you study the law, you are still living according to the flesh. And therefore, you don't see. You don't see God's true spiritual reality. You only see the law, but you don't seem to see the true meaning behind that law and the reality of what the Father is doing in sending his Son. One of the reasons why pride is a a dangerous sin is because pride makes you blind. 
last week, I was making this uh, Korean soup dish for dinner. Um, what's it called? Kalbi something? Huh? Kalbi tang. I don't know the name of it, but I was making it. <laughs> right? Uh, I've made it before, though. And uh, the first time I made it, it was, it was quite good. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, uh, and you know, that, that meat, you know, it's not cheap. <laughs> so when you make it, you got to make it right. So I was feeling pretty confident because the previous time I made it, and it tasted good. And so, you know, Jen's like, um, you know, should I make it? And I was like, no, I'll make it. <laughs> and I, I said, um, I don't know if I said this directly, but she picked, on my, she picked up on it. She's like, oh, just because you made it, like, good last time, like, you think you'll make it better than me, which is what I was thinking, right? So uh, I said I would make it, and I'm thinking that meat is expensive, so we got to make sure we make it right and make it well. So I print out the recipe, and one of the ingredients calls for soy sauce in that recipe, right? And I, the type of cook I am is I just follow the recipe. I don't think about it. So I start making it, and I put the soy sauce in. After I put it in, I'm like, this looks awfully dark. <laughs> this doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. So I, I asked Jen, I go, are you supposed to put soy sauce in this thing? And then uh, I go, I mean, take a look at it. Doesn't it look like really dark, like darker than usual? And she's like, you're not supposed to put soy sauce in it. And I had the recipe, so I'm like, re- no, I was like, the recipe says soy sauce, right, in the, in the directions, but then you go to the ingredients, and you know what it says? Soup soy sauce. Why, why did they change the name, right? I don't know. So anyway, I look at it again, I go, oh, it says soup soy sauce. I mean, they sound similar. Are they different? <laughs> and then uh, she's like, well, I usually put fish sauce in it, and uh, apparently, like, soup soy sauce, I guess, is, like, lighter color and saltier. So anyway... My judgment on how to make this soup apparently was all wrong, and it was probably because of my pride. Because of my pride, you know what? I didn't see um, reality. I didn't see culinary (laughs) reality. And likewise, uh, we have that experience all the time. We think uh, higher of us ourselves than uh, we ought to, and because of that, we miss things. We don't see things as they really are. And I would say, likewise, the Pharisees are in the same boat. They miss spiritual reality because of their pride. They look at things through the filter of their own understanding of their traditions of the law, and therefore when Jesus comes and he discloses himself and reveals himself and says, this is who I am, they don't see it. Spiritual blindness. Second, Jesus tells us that we are not only spiritually blind, but we are spiritually dead. He says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, in the previous discourses, Jesus has been saying uh, he gives life, right? What does he say? Eternal waters of living water. He says this, I am the bread of life. Jesus represents life, and he gives life. And that's also what light does here. Light brings forth Life, which continues this theme that the source of life is ultimately found in Jesus himself. If that's the case, then it must be true then, without Jesus, there is only death, right? If you don't have bread, if you don't have water, if you don't have light, and these are the things that keep you alive, then not having them must mean you won't have life, right? Likewise, if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have life. And Jesus actually says it more more forcefully. He says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, that's, that's a pretty important statement to understand. And anything, anytime anything is like a life and death matter, 
you, you want to pay attention, right? So if someone said, unless you receive this uh, prescription, then you will die, and you're going to say, well, what is that prescription? Give me that prescription. I want to know what that prescription is. Uh, so similarly, you know, we haven't really talked about what the Gospel of John means when it talks about believing, so let's take a minute to talk about it here. Uh, I think in one of the very early sermons I said, that's one of the points of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is meant written so that we might believe in him. We might believe that Jesus is the Holy Son of God. At this point, um, <clears throat> you know, believe is a word that has come up several times, but I don't think we've really thought through the implications of what it actually means to believe because in the English, belief can be used in many different ways. We, we actually use that word belief every Sunday when we recite the Apostles' Creed. We say things like, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What do we mean when we say we believe in someone or something? And perhaps this is a conversation that you might have had with your kids. Uh, one theologian says this. He, he wrote a book on the Apostles' Creed, and he's talking about belief. He says, you know, one could say you believe in UFOs, and what that would actually mean is I believe UFOs are real. Another person could say, I believe in uh, liberal democracy, and that would mean that I think democratic principles are good and beneficial for society. But then what he says is that doesn't quite capture the fullness of what the Bible is saying about belief because one could believe in UFOs without ever looking for one, and one could believe in democracy without ever voting. And in that sense, that kind of belief is just confined to the intellect, right? In the Bible, the word belief in the Greek, it, it actually shares the same root for the word faith. Belief is inextricably linked to faith. And what is faith? Faith is about trust. If you have faith in a doctor, or if you have faith in your spouse, or if you have faith in a particular kind of leader, you're not just saying you believe that they exist, or you're not just saying you believe that they're a good idea, but what you're actually saying is, I am going to put my trust in this person. And likewise, when Jesus says, when he's talking about believing in him, it is not simply, I mean, of course, a part of it is you, you, you have to believe that he exists, right? You have to believe that he is good. You have to believe certain things about him, but it takes it a step further. And what it is actually saying, it's about putting your trust in him in such a way that you lean on him and you depend upon him for life. Now, when I used to hear people say, you need to believe in Jesus or you need to put your faith in Jesus, uh, this is how I would interpret it as a young person. Uh, I would interpret that and say, well, I need to somehow will myself to believe in Jesus. Right? I need to kind of generate that faith within myself so that I can believe. But then you know what happens over time? I came to realize that faith doesn't really work like that. It's not something that we can generate on our own from within, but it's something that is actually given to us as a gift from God. That doesn't mean uh, we can be completely passive either, um, but there's some nuance here. What I would say is there's like an active passivity. <laughs> and I hope that's not a contradiction, but I think it's an active passivity. Here's what I mean. You know, at the beginning of the passage, uh, you remember what Jesus says. He says this, whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, to follow Jesus is simply, at its most basic understanding, is to go where Jesus is, right? If I stayed in the bathroom when that power was out, I should not have the expectation that I will eventually uh, 
be able to see light, right? Unless I go to where the light is. No, I needed to get out of the bathroom and I needed to go to where there was light. Uh, if, if some of you are, are struggling with your faith and struggling to trust in Jesus, I would simply say this. Go to where you might encounter Jesus. Simple as that. Go to where you might encounter him. Uh, practically, go to where people are worshiping Jesus. Go to where people are praying to Jesus. Go to where people are teaching about Jesus. Uh, if you are not where you might find Jesus, um, I don't know, maybe supernaturally God will give you faith, but I would say the expectation should be go where Jesus is and then wait to receive what he has to give to you. Go to where you would expect to see the light. And at some point, I think God will allow you to open your heart and to receive that life. And maybe the struggle is we have to wait for it. Maybe the struggle is we don't ultimately have control of it. And we have to wait for God to do it by his Holy Spirit. Uh, I know here in this passage, the Pharisees don't believe It does tell us something at the end of the passage. It does tell us that many people actually did believe in him. Why did they believe in him? I think they believed in him because they followed Jesus and they were there when he spoke these words. So if we have faith, if we believe, what does that look like? Very simply, I think first it means we are living in the light. What is living in the light? Uh, uh, The word I would use is the word integrity. Uh, integrity means that how we live in private and how we live in public, they are integrated, right? We are not living a certain way in the dark and then pretending to be something else in the light. But living in the light, I think, means we are who we are in our, uh, um, in our good and evil uh, aspects of us. And whatever is sinful about us, we bring to the light and we expose it, we confess it. And we don't uh, run to the darkness and try to hide um, from one another, but also we don't try to hide from the Lord. Second, I think it means this, and this is an important one. I think living the light means you live with hope. Believing, I think, means you live with hope. What is light? In creation, uh, the first thing God creates is light. And what does light do? It sets boundaries to the darkness, does it not? Uh, we are going to encounter darkness in this world because, as I said, darkness is the default mode. The world is dark, and without God, there would be no limit to that darkness. There would be no boundaries to that darkness. But Jesus comes as the light of the world to limit the darkness of the world by being the light of the world. And therefore, no matter how dark things may seem, we know darkness ultimately does not overcome. There's a limitation to darkness. And we can always live in hope because that light will overcome the darkness. There was a time, though, for Jesus where there was no boundary to darkness. You know, you read in the Gospels when Jesus dies on the cross, darkness covers the land. Uh, I think that's a very uh, stirring imagery, uh, especially in light of what Jesus is saying here, that the very light of the world, even though he gives light to us, he underwent ultimate darkness upon the cross when he died upon the cross he was consumed by that darkness so that we can have light the light of life and finally it means this we live in the spiritual reality that has been illuminated to us by jesus Uh, 
what are some of those spiritual realities? Even though we feel condemned uh, in our sin, uh, if you're a parent, I hear this a lot, and I feel this a lot. It's kind of like, man, uh, I'm not a great parent, right? You kind of like uh, lose patience with your kids, and you just feel like awful, and you feel condemned. You're like, oh man, I'm, I'm a terrible person. I feel so condemned. And yeah, you confess those things to your, uh, your kids and uh, you don't hide it, right? But at the same time, you also live in the spiritual reality. Hey, uh, but God doesn't condemn me. Uh, he took that condemnation upon himself when he died uh, for my sin upon that cross. And therefore, I can feel free to actually confess because in my confession, it's not greater condemnation greater freedom, it's greater healing, it's greater reconciliation. Uh, For many of us, life feels like it's out of control and there's chaos all around us. Guess what? Life is not out of control because God has a plan that is beyond our comprehension. Bradley, right? I was like, they got these like devices now. So I was like, hey, uh, ask Siri, what does God's providence mean? Great. That's a topic we're we're covering. Miles couldn't do it. I think there's limitations on (laughs) it. <laughs> I think there's like parental limitations, which is very wise. Um, and then Bradley looked it up, and God's providence. Yeah, God is in control. This is how He cares for creation, right? That's a spiritual reality. So as uh, the world feels like it's spinning out of control, as we feel like we're losing grasp of control, deny that uh, deception, deny that lie. The world is not out of control, God is in control. And these are the things that Jesus as the light of the world illuminates to us by way of his Holy Spirit. Even though we feel broken, even though we feel weak, even though we feel lost, here's the reality, that we are restored and healed, that we are made strong in him, and that we are found and we are not lost. And Jesus is the light of the world, and his self-disclosure here that he is the light of the world reveals all those things to us, and thank God that he is. Because if you've ever been trapped in a bathroom in the complete dark, it's scary. And uh, metaphorically speaking, if you've ever experienced the darkness of this world, it's scary. We need light. We need Jesus to bring light to it. Let's pray together. Uh, God, once again, I do thank you that uh, you give us a day like today. Um, Sometimes we don't recognize how important the light is until we actually get a taste of that darkness. And, um, you know, sometimes these contrasts help remind us really how, you know, how special Jesus is. And uh, I know as a a church, as people who uh, worship you, uh, that's something that should always be in our hearts. But we do confess that we don't always recognize that in our hearts. Uh, So God, we pray that uh, in this moment today and uh, as we see light around us, what it would do is it would remind us of who Jesus is. It would remind us that he is our light, uh, that you would give us uh, sufficient knowledge of how, um, how painful darkness can be, that we might uh, seek the beauty of the light. I just think about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness following this pillar of fire. Not really able to see the fullness of the glory of your presence. But knowing that on this side of the cross, you now give us access. Because of Jesus, you give us access, greater access, 
uh, to your glory, to your beauty. And so we pray that you would reveal it to us in the light of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>